This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red as Nottingham Forest suffer their first Premier League defeat in six games after losing 2-0 to Fulham. Joining me to discuss injuries, subs and Shelby are first of all Mikey Clark. Mikey, I say how are you? You've not been well all week. How are you feeling now? Yeah, much better, Matt. Thank you for having me on. Not been on for a while, so it's uh, good to meet everyone again. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'm just going to edit the settings for this video because I realise I've not made it live on YouTube. So give me one uh, second. An absolute one professional job. start. I know, one I know. Job. One job. Uh, second guest, no, as people know, we like to have a celebrity on the podcast, an expert who's done a bit in the game, a legend, if you will. With that in mind, Greg Mitchell, fresh from the Overlap. How are you? I knew you were going to do that. I thought, don't <laughs> say Don't feed my friends, Blooming. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm, I'm fresh after an exciting Super Bowl watch last night. So Yes, yes. It's good of you to join us after not... Have you been to bed? <clears throat> yeah, a little bit, a couple of hours. Good, good man, good man. And the reason you you were on the overlap, we owe, you owe a debt to, is David Prutton, who recommended us. Prutz, how are you? Uh, very well. I'm, I'm I'm sat in shimmering awe of Greg and his new mate Gene Evan Cara. So uh, hopefully we'll we'll be somewhere near the standard that he's now used to. <laughs> yes, he's dangerous us with his presence. Very kind of him indeed. So let's start with Greg. Um, you were there at Fulham. Uh, starting a pub crawl at like 10am it looked like on the map on the WhatsApp group. Uh, what about the game overall, the day? Well, it wasn't Forest Day particularly and a lot went wrong for in the first seven minutes. <clears throat> Do you make of it overall? Uh, yeah, I mean, I said the other week that Fulham's arguably going to be as hard to get points at as playing Man City next week and it was. I mean, William and Mitrovic are just such good players. They're a joy to watch. I mean, not much fun on Saturday for us, but especially Willie, and he was everywhere. He was causing havoc, and it was just a real struggle. The whole day was a struggle, obviously, the injuries, and yeah, 2 0. You know, you walked away with that thinking, okay, damage, damage limitation. It was only 2 0, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I saw it on Twitter, it was a Premier League record to lose two players in the first seven minutes, and the way Forrest did it. You know, two injuries, two hamstring injuries in the same move, two both centre halves. It's a. Do you think it's not your day, Prutz, when that happens straight away? Yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah, bad day at Black Rock. I think is how you would describe it. I think. Um, for, I mean, let, let's not let's not kind of dial down what Fulham are. Fulham are a very good team. They they needed to do the Premier League in a better way than they've done in the last few seasons, and they've done that absolutely. Terrifically so far. Um, I, I think the kind of team that you're coming up there against there with regards to where they are in the league, um, it's, it's with, again, without sounding condescending or dialing down what Forrest have done so far this season, 
Um, it's, it's no disgrace to come away from Craven Cottage with that particular type of uh, 2-0. Um, I, I just hope, from the, like you say, from an injury point of view, have we got any update on those? Are they, are they serious? I mean, sometimes with hamstrings, it's preventative rather than something actually going wrong. But uh, I've not heard anything coming out of the campus yet. Have we heard anything? McKenna, well, Greg sent a WhatsApp saying McKenna <laughs> couldn't walk, he'd heard from someone. So McKenna <laughs> said someone, someone saw an Indian Elm start. But not, not any official, no, not that I know of. So we'll have to wait and see till later in the week, I would imagine. Do you think, Prots, yeah. that will questions be asked internally about that? Is it just one of those freak occurrences? Or Forest had so many injuries, I don't know if fingers start being pointed, but do you look at it and say, what's going wrong here that we keep getting these injuries? I mean, it's not a Watford standard um, sample size, is it? I mean, they've got about six or seven players with hamstring injuries. That's when you start kind of looking, <clears throat> excuse me, inwardly. Um, no, I, I don't. I mean, look, casting your mind back over what we've seen from Forrest under Steve Cooper for the last couple of years, it, it doesn't it doesn't strike me as a team that's um, or a or a squad that's prone to. Too many injuries such as this, would I be right in saying that? I mean, there's not many that have run off, uh, gone jogging off with hamstring injuries, which um, sometimes it's just look at the draw. I mean, you can point the fingers at um, the strength and conditioning, the recovery, the, the way that uh, lads are prehabbed and, and rehabbed when it comes to, to being back from injury. But sometimes, as you say, Matt, it's just a freak occurrence that um, I think Forrest have done well to kind of navigate away from. If, I, if, if I, My mind can be very sketchy and hazy, but... It doesn't strike me as a as a team that's been thin on the ground at any stage with regards to a, a whole kind of tidal wave of injuries. No, I mean the owners obviously backed them with a lot of signings. While you were talking, I was trying to think what the injuries have been around. Mm. Have they been muscle injuries? I mean Henderson is, but that's a freak thing, really. You take a goal kick yeah. and you rip your thigh muscle off. It looked like yeah. so you can't really that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Mikey Worrell and Felipe come on. I think Felipe grabbed the headlines, and Worrell to me did. Uh, it wasn't his best game, but he, I think he was terrible by any means. But was Felipe a bright spot for you? Yeah, he was. I think um, <clears throat> it, it wasn't going to be too long before he got in the first team anyway. I don't, I don't think you play all those games for Simeone at, at Atletico if you're not you know, a pretty pretty solid player. And by all accounts and, and the extended highlights I saw, he, um, <clears throat> he won pretty much every single aerial duel, which against Mitrovic... Is a hell of a thing to say, really. So mm. I think it bodes well. He's very experienced. I think when everybody's fit, or at least some of them are fit, I think he'll probably play alongside Nia Kate, who's a bit of a Rolls Royce player who can cover a little bit deep. And I think that might be the two that we eventually go with. Um, but you know, you, you can't imagine Felipe or Warrell thought they'd be thrust into action in the first half, you know, after seven minutes. So and I thought they actually did all right, both of them. Um yeah. I, I was I was really sorry, wrong. Sorry, sorry. The funny, not not the funny thing because obviously people are injured. When you're out the team, you get your head around the fact that you've got a good half an hour there to sit with your feet on. <laughs> <laughs> but before someone goes go and warm up, because part of you is it, it depends how you come out the side. If it's done for 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 being rested, I, I've had, I had that a couple of times. Going to rest you? No, you've just been crap. <laughs> We're putting you on the bench. Um, so you've got kind of you sat there with like a, a bear with a sore head for a little bit. So like that kind of. Seven minutes in, you just go, oh, God, really? Come on. At least get to half time. Let me finish my cup of tea. And then we can kind of get going with that to get on the pitch. So, yeah, it's, um, but it, but it's, again, it strikes me as a very empathetic group of players. So I, I think they'll all be kind of hoping that 
the best players are, are fit and ready to go as and when they're as and when they're ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like um <clears throat> when you're a when you're a cricketer and you've been bowling, and you've had two days in the field, and then you're batting at twenty for four, and then all of a sudden you you know you're batting again, and you, you don't have that rest. But there was one bit that I did really enjoy. Felipe played a, a brilliant ball through. Um, I think it was halfway through the second half. It might have been to Gibbs White or to Dennis, and that's kind of what I've not seen from any of our central defenders since last year. You know when Worrell in the back three used to step out, and Scott McKenna. If you think back to the Sheffield United home game in the playoffs, that ball he played through to to Surridge. I've not seen a ball like that for quite a while. So that bodes really well as well. It was it was a brilliant ball. So more of that, please. And, and like I said, I, I think it was a matter of time before Felipe broke into the first team anyway, just because of his level of experience and his and his knowledge and and everything that he's going to bring to the team. So you never want to wish players injuries, of course, but I think we'll be all right. And like I said, near Kate's back on the grass and I think it'll be them two going forward. Uh, thank you to the truth uh, on YouTube in the comments saying I look good, shaved haircut, been using some moisturiser. I've not, but the reason Greg also got to go to the overlap was because I went to a day spa for my wife's birthday and <laughs> yeah. did to it. Yes. So I have been on the moisturiser. So, so the, the only reason that he went was because you turned it down. Is that? Yeah. I mean, talk about backhanded compliment. My word. I know, I know. You you did me down first. If we're going to a spa, product, I've got no shame about that at all. No, I mean, look at this space. Never been anywhere near a spa, is it? Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to the game. Rough first half for Forest. They were definitely second best. The goal itself, they scored, uh, that Fulham scored through Willian. Prutz, how much is the balance? Oh, okay, we'll come back to Prutz in a minute. He's going to have to, what's he doing? That's It's normally me who has to charge up stuff like that. But it must no, be a long cable. I know. It must be a long cable, yeah. I could pad out now, when, uh, or I can just wait for Prutz to... Unmute yourself. Ah, oh, there you yes. are. Right. Sorry. Excellent. The goal for and scored, Prutz. Uh, where's the balance lie between bad defending from Forrest and brilliant finish from Willian for you? Uh, I mean, I think given Mikey... Uh, sorry, Greg's summation of what he'd seen... The fact that we're talking about Willian playing against a Nottingham Forest side in the Premier League, it's he's a fantastic player, regardless of, of, of where he is right now. But given the history of his of his, of his uh, professional career in this country, to be beaten by a player such as that in a game such as that is is again, and I'm not dialing down what Forest should be trying to chase down in the Premier League, but this is a proper solid Premier League footballer. So um, I, I think the balance with regards to the question mark is. is somewhere in between because we've seen it over the course of the season so far and in the championship you get several bites at the same type of cherry don't you whereas in the in the premier league one mistake one lapse of con- concentration you're done you're punished um, and i don't think other than the kind of opening games of the season that's not been a finger that we could point at for us so far this year is it they've, they've been quite streetwise on the ground when it's come to the games um and taking points from the teams in and around them so yeah, I would say it probably rests somewhere in the middle. Um, it, it doesn't... If you're looking about the result in the grand scheme of things, it's chastening, but I don't think it's it's particularly overly damaging for where Forrest is going to end up this season. No, I agree. It doesn't change my opinion, win or lose. I still think Forrest are going to... It's going to be a great achievement to stay up at any by any form or fashion. Um, and also, I mean, Loddy, I don't think he covered himself in glory for the goal, but I actually thought he had a decent game. And Mitrovic mm. kept playing on him, and Loddy did his best to in that physical mismatch and and had a pretty solid match overall. Um, 
the rest of the first half, Greg, in the ground, did it feel like Forest were clinging on in there and just getting to half time at one nil was a result in itself? Yeah, but the, the away end was right behind them. It was a it was a cracking atmosphere, and there was a lot of hope because I just think when when we're not getting the possession, when we're playing with like thirty percent possession, when you've got players like Felipe doing those wonderful balls, it was through to Gibbs White. I thought that. Uh, and some set pieces. There is hope there, and now we've got play. We're not just relying on Gibbs White for the corners anymore. And uh, I thought, I mean, Scarper had a quiet game, didn't he? But um, yeah, it, it, it wasn't heads down at half time by any means. Mm-hmm. I mean, one aspect where I do feel like Forrester back to square one, Mikey, a little bit is new signings have come in, and now Cooper's kind of still searching for what his best eleven is again, like. We'll come on to Chris Wood, but he's got to integrate Wood. Obviously, problems at centre-half. We don't know what the best midfield is again, although we got some idea once Shelby came on. And it's the second, at least the second game in a row where Forrest have started badly and Cooper's had to do something in the second half. Do you, at half-time, sorry, do you think that's symptomatic that he's now feeling again what is the best formula for this team, Mikey, or not? Yeah, I'd go a little bit further, actually. You know, you know, just cash it. Fulham are a good team, right? So if, if you look at who started in their 11 on Saturday, more than half their team that started that game played in the championship. So they've come up. I think we only had McKenna and Johnson from ours. And I think we ended the team with Worrell and Johnson, whereas they bought a few players on that again played in the championship. So there's that level of consistency there and they all know where they are on the pitch. And we were getting that rhythm as we sort of, you know, approach the latest January window and, and obviously obviously bringing in all those players, it does feel a little bit like, not that we've taken a backward step because, you know, we had two injuries in the first four minutes or seven minutes or whatever it was. So we are going to need a squad. And there's that thing going around Twitter that shows you all the players that are out injured and we could quite conceivably make a decent first team out of all of them in other positions. So, <clears throat> so we do need the players, but it does feel a little bit like, we're going to have to have a bit of time trying to embed the way they play. And I'll give you an example. And I know there's a lot of stick for Chris Wood, but I think if you look at the way Mitrovic operates for Fulham, is that target man plays with his back to goal, but also turns and brings the other guys into play as well. I think we're playing Chris Wood on the left. Did he play on the left again, Greg, on um, Saturday at Fulham? Um, well, his only chance he came from the left, really. So, yeah, but no, I thought he was pretty central, to be honest. Was yeah, it? Okay, well, maybe that's, maybe that's the case. Yeah. Maybe that's the case. <clears throat> but I do think we're going to have a bit of embedding time. But can we afford that time? That's the question. Because there's, you know, there's Man City coming up and then two massive games, I think, West Ham and, and Everton. So that's another another amazing challenge for Cooper. Can he get these new players to gel in? You know, the dynamic of the midfield really interests me as well. You know, Scarpa started there on um, Saturday. Not a huge fan of him starting there, if I'm honest. I think yeah. maybe Danilo, Shelby will talk about. I think he looked absolute class when he came on. So do, does he, and, and where does he play in the three? Does he play centre? Does he play left? Does Danilo play deep? Does Froehler play deep? These are all challenges that Cooper's got over the next few weeks. But I agree with what you're saying, Matt. It does feel as if, not with taking a step back, we maybe paused a little bit just to try and embed these new signings into the team, try and get another rhythm. And I'm sure, you know, we'll do what we did um, at the start of the season, which is find the balance, find a way of playing, hopefully a little more expansive and take it from there. But it's hard to argue when you have 
two injuries in the first seven minutes because we, we do need this squad. We do need options. Mm. I, mm. I, I question Jordan Iyer, if I'm honest, kind of coming in and not having cut, but that's that's just my opinion. And if that's the, the guy Cooper wants, then that's absolutely fine. But I think we, we just need to have just a bit of bit of patience, just see how things go over the next couple of weeks, see how Wood integrates into the team. I've not been overly impressed, if I'm honest, judging by the comments a lot of us he, he was he was inches away from a goal though that that yeah. ball in and you know just on another day that goes in and it changes the whole trajectory of his season doesn't it mm, mm. um andre are you not jordan are you i think um so let's talk about wood then prots i mean i, mm. I don't think you've seen all his games he does look like a fish out of water at the moment but where's the yeah. in, in a sense i suppose the question is how much of that is down to him either through lack of confidence or lack of form and how much is down to forest for not playing to his strengths, do you think? Probably a bit of both. I think you're looking at a player that can resolutely do a job in the Premier League, but probably hasn't had the minutes under his belt. And if you look at perhaps how Forrest have gone about the way they've attacked the Championship and the start of the Premier League, um, looking at it from a traditional number nine point of view, because it was always very interchangeable. It was always very mobile, wasn't it, up front? And, mm -hmm. and Chris... Talking about him playing in off the left, that's absolutely not his position. Absolutely not. He's got to, he's got to play down the middle. He, he's I'm not saying that oversimplifies what it brings to a football team, but if he's a big number nine, then you stick a big number nine in the middle of the pitch. There's, there's, you don't have him arsing about on the wing because he, he's not like he's just genuinely not that type of player. But as Greg was saying, he, he he kind of appeared to be doing most of his work down the centre of the pitch. Now it's up to the lads that are in and around him, the Brennans and and and, and Morgan and, and players such as that, to be able to facilitate that. Sometimes players can drop straight in and hit the ground run. I, I was at the Leeds Man United game yesterday, and you're looking at um, about Beghorst, who for 45 minutes it looked as if his teammates had literally never set eyes on him, didn't know what to do with him. It was either balls smashed up to him, um, not looking for anything into feet, and he just kind of running around thinking, well, what we're doing? Well, nothing, because no one's giving you the right type of bats. Um, and maybe with Chris, it's just going to take a longer time for him to kind of bed in. Different player to IU, of course. I mean, from, from a, a fan's point of view, and this is specifically aimed at both Mikey and, and, and Greg, are you seeing a player that looks like he's wanting to hit the ground running? Is, is there a body language issue with him? I, I, saw, I saw more on Saturday than we have done in previous mm -hmm. games, but the, the last thing we want to do and the easiest thing we do as fans is have the next, like, you know, player to bash. And it, we're not that kind of squad at the minute. And I feel like Wood's name keeps getting mentioned. But I think Shelby's going to help Wood. Not only have they played together, but Shelby put some decent balls in. And it's for your big lad, isn't it? Again, not just relying on Gibbs White. So I do think if he sticks with him, we'll, we'll end up seeing the benefits from it. It's just not happening at the minute throwing him in and he's I don't know he just doesn't seem quick enough for the way we play and the, the limited chances we we get but it, it will come we played um more balls into the box after he'd gone off i noticed which is which is yeah. ironic That's ridiculous but, isn't it Absolutely ridiculous. yeah yeah they got much wider didn't they certainly once he'd gone off maybe that was symptomatic they could move the ball better i, I don't know but it's an area to work on just to say to henry in the comments yes we have all seen the game sometimes you just this don't remember exactly where every point of it, but we have all seen it in full. Um, get him on. Get, get, 
<laughs> is there a, the other thing I've been talking about? Bullshit. Game on, I've been about this. <laughs> I mean, the Did other point. That's twenty one. <laughs> a big point of concern that we mentioned this to Mikey and Greg. Well, before Proch joins us, it feels like it's the, the stats bear it out. There's a real lack of goals in this team. If Brennan Johnson or Morgan Gibbs White aren't involved and it isn't a set piece, you kind of worry where the goals are coming from, don't you, Greg? Yeah, well, like Mike said earlier, we've got three away goals, but that again is the way we're playing away from home. That every team who's playing at home against us will be expecting to win, full of confidence, loads of the ball. So we've got to get more of these chances and that's where Shelby will help, especially like I was really impressed with some of the balls he was playing through and, you know, laying off the ball and then crossing it in, it looked good. So we've just got to be more clinical, but we bought the players in, in January to do that. So, you know, like I say, that Fulham and Man City free hits, we missed on Saturday. There's no saying that we might not get some in this one and then it's down to the the serious ones again like we've had last month which worked so you know you go down to West Ham and picking up anything picking up a point at West Ham damages them so much more than it does us it'd be a huge yeah. result mm. do you think Prutz I mean from your experience of playing in teams it's not just the attack that this is an obvious thing that scores the goals but they've got to find the midfield balance behind them still haven't they and maybe Shelby is a, a huge difference maker who can pick out those pinpoint passes because it feels to yeah. me like we don't know what the best midfield three is again really No and I think probably puts into sharper focus what Ryan brings doesn't it really hmm. um, a, a, a player that becomes part of a whole that's greater than some of its parts and he, he, he kind of gets on with his job and then as much as they were finger pointing a year ago or 18 months ago I think he, he I think is is a is a sore miss for for Forrest. But John Joe Shell was a fantastic footballer, and I think <clears throat> hopefully, given possibly not necessarily the game time that it's had with Chris Wood, but the training time that's had with Chris Wood, <clears throat> we're standing in good stead to be able to bring out the best in him. Um, I, I think it's it's a tough one to write him off pretty much straight away. I mean, we are talking about a player that was top scorer in the championship. I mean, and that seems like such a long time ago now, but. He absolutely knows where the goal is, and I think you're right, Matt. It's sometimes as a midfielder, and because I, I was never prolific by any stretch of the imagination, you can hide behind the fact that it's the strikers that've got to score the goals. It's not, especially in the Premier League. If you've got good delivery at set pieces, your centre halves and your defensive side of it needs to step up in those particular situations, and the creation in midfield needs to be there. But we are talking about <clears throat> competing in the toughest league, toughest division on the planet. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's again, it's no disgrace not to have midfielders not in double figures when it comes to scoring goals, but they do need to spread that responsibility around. Do you think? I mean, I put on Twitter, Mikey, they miss Yates in games, especially like this one where they didn't lay a glove on Fulham in midfield in the first half. I don't remember even a tackle being won. Uh, it was thought there was a bit of historical revisionism with lots of people in the replies now telling me that Yates is crap, but um, not not all of them, but some. Do you, do you think they missed Yates, Mikey, and they are missing Yates? <laughs> I do, and for the reason that Prutz just said, you know, I think he he makes the uh, the team tick in just the fact that he gets about and puts himself about, so and allows the people around him to be a little bit more expressive and creative. So, if you watch, I'm a, I don't know whether anyone else does this. You know, you know the, the games that you, we win and do really well. So Liverpool one 0 I've got that saved downstairs on my skybox, and when I'm a bit bored, stick it on, 
just watch, see how we played. Bit geeky, I know. The amount of times Yates chucks himself in front of the ball. Seriously, if anybody doesn't believe me, watch it. So there's that one. There's um, there's a couple more that I've got as well. So, and, yeah. and he's he's so integral to that team. I think it just people might not necessarily realise it, but I certainly do because I, I watch it quite a lot. And I think when you t- when you take that out of a team, it becomes even more evident. And I think we've kind of seen that in recent weeks. So I, I'm under no illusions that as soon as he's back fit and firing, he'll be back in that starting lineup. So it, the question is who who goes around him, and I think it's a bit horses for courses. So if you've got I don't know Man United at home, you probably want to play a bit more of a deep deeper line too. If we've got Southampton at home, end of the season, you might want to go with with somebody like a Scarborough midfield. I'm not sure, but I think it's about having those options. But for me, I, I genuinely and I wouldn't have said this a year ago, but you know, I'm honest and I change my mind when I see things. And I, th- I think he's, he's a staple in this team. And I think he gets back in as soon as he's fit, honestly. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think back to the Chelsea game as well, where he had his running battle with Zakaria and Mason Mount and things like that. For me, he definitely plays. And he maybe he allows Danilo to be eased in and you don't have to play Scarper in midfield. Uh, I, th- I thought Mangala had a, a rank bad game on Saturday and it feels like he's one who might drift down. Did you side at me saying Mangala was bad or not? No, no, no. I, I thought it, I mean, it, it, as damning a reflection on a, on a football performance as I've ever heard, mate, so. I thought, I mean, I, I'm a fan of his, but I thought he Otherwise had Otherwise known as having a stinker. Yeah. I thought he had a stinker. I did think he had a stinker and I think Yates comes in. I don't know. I think the best midfield three is going to end up being Probably Yates, Shelby, and Freuler, perhaps. Uh, Which I, I, I think is a, is a very competitive, uh, in all senses of the word, midfield in the uh, Premier League, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you get relegated with that midfield. I think it might be no. a bit of a scrappy midfield, apart from, yeah. from Shelby. Well, no, I mean, the, the thing is, I'm not, not trying to jump forward the chat or anything. Having seen what's going on at Southampton, having watched Bournemouth on Saturday tea, uh, tea time, and then also watching Leeds yesterday. Nottingham Forest are, are head and shoulders above, who are who are currently in the bottom three. And mm. I, without wanting to kind of tempt fate with regards to how the rest of the season goes, that that's that's not this team is this club is not a club that ends up in the bottom three. No, I, I'm still confident. Still confident. Going back to the game then. Um, Good luck, bye. <laughs> <laughs> back to the game, Greg. Um, Forest had a real spell there where I thought they might get back into it and perhaps if they're a bit more of an established Premier League club they do was, was that an op- the one opportunity that Forrest missed to maybe take a point just not capitalising on that spell yeah and it, it always coincides with Gibbs White just having flary moments doesn't it and he just gets the ball and he's, he's suddenly past someone and it, it almost doesn't happen enough in games like that like I say when the possession's so low but once they get that, that ball moving and once the crowd are really on the side then you could see, I, I mean, I just watched Match of the Day again this morning and Cooper on the sidelines, he's so animated. He's not usually like that. And you could tell this was, that was going to be our moment. That was going to be a spell. And it, it didn't work this time, but it will, it will next. Yeah, yeah. And the game was over effectively with the, with the second goal. In the notes, I put, Prutz, please, can you explain to me what Serge Aurier is doing for that second goal? If what, you can help general? me out. <laughs> just, but he runs it, he abandons his position, uh, yeah. slides in, and then leaves the guy all the space he needs to score. Well, what's going on there? 
Um, well, I mean, it, it's it's funny when you reflect on football and you break down football matches, but what you said there, I, I've got no argument for. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why that would be the case because it's madness, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, specific roles, responsibilities are kind of meted out to to players. Again, I, not not because I, I was there watching the game and working on it, but if you, if 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 anyone that, that was remotely bothered to look at um, the game between Bournemouth and Newcastle, you're looking at a goal that Bournemouth scored, where the centre half, I think, uh, Senesi, has a tap in from two yards out, and then you look at how it, where it comes from, and the, the the striker Isak just just lets him run in, run into the box, and 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 I presume as a coach, you just kind of stand there going, why have you done that? Like you you've got a job to do. And in the sense of what you're talking about with Serge Aurier, who I think has been remarkably consistent at Forest, the player that I saw at Spurs, no one near it. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. I was, can, can I just say about Aurier as well? Yeah, it, it had, it had William all game, <laughs> like absolutely battling with him, tearing him round, and he didn't do himself any bad in it. The mistake was after William went, wasn't it? So maybe he just thought, oh, relax, he's finally gone. And then, yeah. We're back. <laughs> it was a great point. It was a, it was a great point. The, 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 the new one of it was, was Zinger, but I'm not going to tell you what it was. <laughs> but you were talking about responsibility, Prutz, in doing your job on yeah, the pitch. I mean, Aurier is yeah, prone yeah. To, to just abandoning yeah, it. In and the, last and, and the years. question that you're asking, intellectualise it, but... Quite clearly, it was a, just a momentary lapse of concentration and, and, and a case of not being in the right place at the right time. I, I, don't, I can't, like I said, I can't, I can't make it sound any smarter than that. Just didn't do his job. No, no. I mean, yeah, I think he's been really good. The last two or three of the last four games is a little bit more concerning, but you know, you can't complain with his overall performance. He's been an excellent signing. Talking of excellent signings, Mikey, you're a big fan of Dennis. I thought you didn't. Uh, well, you might change your opinion. You didn't weren't a fan of what he did on Saturday. I thought he was pretty good until the um, well, the, the, when push came to shove, he had to deliver, and it just all went wrong. But like Temp said in our WhatsApp group, if that was his debut, we think he was a really good signing. So where are you at on Dennis after that game, Mikey? Yeah, sarcasm comes across nicely on podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm not. The, I'm not the biggest fan. I was never. Um, enamoured by the signing, if I'm honest. I know we got 10 goals for Watford, but I just think, you know, the first season in the Premier League, you need everybody to put in an absolute shift and to literally leave the grass at five o'clock knackered and knowing they couldn't give any more. All I'm saying is, when I've seen Dennis play, he sort of flatters to deceive. And you know when Fletcher's on this podcast, he articulates it far better than I do in that he has flashes of 10, 20, 30 seconds where you think, oh, oh, there's a player here. And then you don't see him. You don't see him for 30 minutes or 45 minutes or 60 minutes. And then and then he does something again. And then you think, oh, I'll leave him on for a bit. And, and they never take him off. And I just think, I don't think we can afford that. You know, we've, we've got a player a little bit like that in Brennan that plays in moments. But what he delivers to the team, his production is there and he's delivering. And... Um, you know he's only, he's only going to get better. I think, and I don't I don't like having to dig at players, but I just I don't really see how he kind of fits into what we want to do. Certainly away from home, 
I think at home, maybe when you're chasing a game, you're trying to be more expansive. He might be somebody you chuck on for 20 minutes and say, go on then, let's see if he can have one or two of these flare moments and score as a goal. But I think you said it nicely, Matt. You know, he gets into nice positions. And I wasn't buying what Tent said about his debut at all, if, if I'm honest. I, I still wouldn't be enamoured. But again, he, he kind of he missed the opportunities. So I hope I'm proved wrong. I said about 10 minutes ago that I will change my mind if I see something that I'm, I'm big enough and ugly enough to hold my hands up and say, look, I was wrong. And let's hope he scores against Man City. We win 1-0 and then goes on a run. And, mm. and I'll be the first person to come back on here and say, do you know what? I've judged him too early. But I the, think... The, 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 the thing, sorry, sorry, Michael, the, the thing with, with Dennis as well, the, the, the big thing that was coming out of Watford in that transfer window in August was keeping hold of Saar, Joao Pedro and Dennis. And, and Forrest bought, I would say, arguably, because they're all very good players, the worst one of the three. And whether that was to do with the price that was paid, because they played with the front three, Watford, uh, and with Forrest perhaps playing with um, Chris Wood up top with three behind him, it's a slightly different position. But I think you're absolutely right. Sometimes players such as that, and this is me not writing him off as a Forrest player or, or saying that he, he won't fit into what the system is with Steve, but... There's absolutely, and it, it, it dovetails hopefully with what Mikey said, there's no place for passengers in a team that's just got back into the Premier League at all. Like We, we talked about the second goal. Um, Emmanuel Dennis dangling his foot when it comes to actually needing to put a challenge in isn't going to help anybody anywhere at all. Mm. And it, when the game's in the balance at 1-0, like you say, second goal, better buried. If, if you're looking at a team that sometimes struggle with creation, a second goal is an absolute death knell of a, of a victory. So I don't think... I, and you said about wanting to... You're not writing a player off. You, you're judging in on what you've seen with your own eyes. And I think that's absolutely fair from what we've seen mm. with him so far. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, I, I concur with that, Perhaps I think you're right. And <clears throat> like I said, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he um, maybe gets a chance, goes on a run, scores some goals. But like I say, from from what I've seen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not his biggest fan. And it was quite telling, I think, on the previous game where he didn't even make the bench. So uh, we shall see how that goes forward. But we've, we do have a few options now, don't we? We've got Wood, Johnson, Gibbs-White. They can all play in that central role. There's Surridge as well. There's, there's Ayu. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if he features less and less as the uh, season goes on, if I'm honest. Mm. Do you have a counter-argument for Dennis, Greg? He's won me over a little bit more <laughs> the last yeah. two games, but he does have so many flaws. He, uh, he had, I think, his better game when he came on. On Saturday, and I know he still made like critical errors, and I think he had a shot on target. He did some half decent passes. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but the thing that's, away that's from home when we've scored, when we've about, scored three goals on the week, that's not bad, is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but we scored the big white thing with the net. That'd be that'd be wonderful. I don't know if you could just get it somewhere near that. Crack on. Um, you've got to take everything you can at the minute with our form away from home. Three goals all season. So yeah, if if he's still playing, then Cooper's seeing some in there. But yeah, he just needs to look a little bit more interested. However, on Saturday that was his better. This isn't game a good defence at all. It was. He's it was one of his better games. For me. If you cared about his profession, I'd like him a bit more. Yeah, if you could just look like you were trying to lay. That would give him down to West London on this Saturday to put you out to get you to run around. If you just. <clears throat> a little bit, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> be nice. I'm delicate. 
I thought you've been a whole live sport for the last 25 I mean, you've not even been to bed, have you? <laughs> I've had a couple of hours. What kind of nerd watches the Super Bowl? Who cares about the Super Bowl? No one. I didn't even know Me. who won. Who was in it? <laughs> Chiefs, Kansas City, the two teams I don't care Chiefs, about. Chiefs, yeah. yeah, Chiefs yeah, and Eagles, two awful wow. teams, but yeah, they won it anyway. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on from Manuel Dennis. I thought he was better, but there's obviously uh, a, a way to go. Let's just talk about the league table then before we spend the last, I say, I always say the last five minutes, it ends up being the last 15 minutes, talking about Man City. Um, Six points above the relegation zone ahead of Everton playing tonight, 24 points from 22 games. I think the discussion last week was. A Forest looking up above 17th now uh, after beating Leeds. Um, so now, are you a bit twitchy, Mikey, after losing to Fulham? I know Greg will be optimistic. Are you, how are you feeling? No, usually I'm the I'm the realist on this, aren't I? So Greg's the uh, Greg's the optimist. But I think, um, or the so pragmatic maybe. Um, I think uh, I was never one to say, you know what, we're going to push the top off. I just think you, the first season back in the Premier League is so so difficult. You know. It, those teams that kind of really do push are few and far between. So even, you know, Leeds on their first season obviously did well. And after that, you know, they, they struggled. But honestly, you just need to... If somebody offered me 17th at five o'clock on the last day or three o'clock or whenever the game's finished, I'd bite the hand off and I'm sure everybody else would. So, yes, it's great. And it's it's brilliant that we're looking up now rather than looking down. But we've got to be realistic. You know, Fulham was always going to be tough. Next week... I'm glad I'm away with working in India, Matt, and you're going with Lindsay, not me, because that might be quite tough, that game. But after that, we've got West Ham and Everton, and there's points there. So we'll go up and down. We might drop towards the bottom three, but then we might get a few points. We've just got to keep our heads above water and not get, it's a cliche, not get too high or too low when we lose. But I've seen enough, as Prop said earlier on, to know that there are now three worse teams in this league than us. In fact, yep. there's more than that. Definitely. So... Definitely. I'm I'm all right with it, Matt. You just gotta you gotta roll with the punches. Make sure you don't get too gutted after you lose to a very good team like Fulham, because there's points out there. You know, our fancy is beating Everton. Our fancy is getting something against West Ham. Um, our fancy is against um, some of the other teams later in the season as well. So let's just keep accumulating them points. I reckon we need four, maybe five more wins, couple more draws. Job done. Where's Greg gone? Just an absolute cavalcade of technological errors to hit the deck because he's been up for 24 hours straight watching rubbish <laughs> games from somewhere else. It's good job. Apparently, Fletcher was commentating on it. I was going to say, it's good yeah, job Fletcher isn't on here. He, he's a, yeah, he's a huge NFL fan and he was the league commentator. So, should we bring Greg back in and see if he no, can hang around? No, with us for he's, he's had one chance. <laughs> he's blown it. Sorry, Greg. Right, here he is, here he is. Um, he didn't do that with Gina, did he get up and just walk out? <laughs> no, exactly. We're going to mute Greg, he's got a bit of static, I didn't notice. I'll come back to Greg in a minute. Um, Man City no, then. Right. <laughs> I won't even let him speak. Um, I was looking at it this morning, Man City away from home, they've lost three games. I know they were Liverpool, Tottenham and Man United, so no mugs by any stretch, obviously. Mm. Do you see... A little chink in the armour of, of Man City this season away from home that gives Forrest some hope that they might be able to get at least, well, at least a draw would be amazing, but something from this game. I, I think the timing of playing them when they feel like their backs are against the wall. It, I mean, it's, they've got Arsenal midweek, haven't they? We should say. But I mean, it, it's quite a feat, isn't it, to for, for Pep Guardiola, who is an astonishing manager, to make it sound like 
a club bankrolled by a wealth fund of that size are underdogs. <laughs> so they're like, they're all against us. Not really, because you've had it your own way for quite a long period of time. Um, I think, given the Arsenal result, given what Man City traditionally do from here on in, chasing down, I mean, they, they almost love chasing down a team that's ahead of them. I think if, if Pep and Man City win the Premier League from the position that they're in now, that'll be one of his greatest achievements. I'm not saying that that then puts Forrest in the, in the bracket of cannon fodder for them to just go straight through the middle of. I just think it's going to be terribly tough. I've seen them at times this season where they've... The best way to play them, I was up at Newcastle watching them play, and Newcastle just swarmed. They went mm-hmm. hell for leather. They, they hit them with the type of energy and effervescence that they couldn't deal with. Now, whether Forrest could do that and maintain that for 90 minutes, we'll, 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 we'll soon see. But it's, I think it's a really tricky time to play Manchester City, even though we're talking about a team that's probably cost the best part of a billion pounds to put together. Um, I'm not saying Forrest aren't going to get anything out of it. I just think it'll be one of the toughest games of the season, which, I mean, in, in football punditry realms, Man City are very good. It's not the most mind-blowing opinion to sit. <laughs> I suppose as well... Greg, we should point out that the Champions League starts again the week after. So there's a chance that maybe Haaland gets rested, maybe De Bruyne gets rested. But even so, it's going to be the toughest home game of the season, probably with Arsenal, isn't it? And that's where <clears throat> that's where we come into our own as fans. And, you know, the big games, the Liverpools, we always manage to do something. I watched Man City yesterday, and this is the argument as to why we're going to get something. You've got Haaland arguing with his own players. I thought Villa's goal was so easy. Mm. Almost walked through him. It's not the Man City that we've been used to the last five or six years. I know they were devastating against us at home, but I feel like, you know, they're under the cosh a little bit now. If the result doesn't go their way in midweek, and God, imagine getting a point there. Uh, sorry, against them. And it, you just never know. You never know with Forrest, you know. And I think me and Mikey were saying... If we if we do, it'll be a, a one nil or a, a one. Or we're not going to be beating them three two four three, are we? But um, yeah, you just never know. It's another free hit. It really is. These two games for me were always the free hits. Yeah, I mean, it could end up being Forest lose five nil and get absolutely slaughtered. And it's still again, it still wouldn't change my opinion of where the season's heading or not. It's just one. It is a standalone game in that sense. I, I think. Um, Mikey, your nephew Jake's in the comments, uh, and he's in his team. He's got Danilo back in, and he's got Wood out, Gibbs White, Johnson, Surridge up front. A few changes there. Would you be making any changes, Mikey? Uh, I'll play every defender we've got fit. No, I'm joking. Um, I, I'd, I'm just looking at his team now. I'm, um, but yeah, I, I pretty much like that. I think um, I'll probably go with that central midfield, Danilo, Frawler, and Shelby. And then it's Morgan Gibbs, White, Johnson, Johnson, and, and, and who else? Maybe even Surridge. I quite like what Prutz was saying around let's just press a bit further and just be a bit more front footed and be a bit more energetic. I think it, I'm not sure that's going to happen. I think what we might see is just back off a little bit, do a sort of mid to low block and sort of try and contain them. It would be wonderful if we, if we had a go at them. I guess it all depends on what team he picks. You know, if he's going to play somebody like a Surridge, then. It, you know, it's it's a possibility that we could do that and press a little further higher up the pitch. I think that's probably what I'd go with. I'd stick a three tight in midfield, um, and then just when we lose the ball, just go back into a five in midfield with Johnson and Gibbs White maybe dropping back. Um, 
you know, we were talking about Chris Wood earlier in in the in the program, and, and I remember a um, uh, the game away at Man City where we lost six nil. Was it six? It could have been anything. It was. Um, we we really needed a, a focal point up front that day just to hold the ball up and buy a few free kicks more than anything. So I wonder whether we're going to take anything from that and maybe we do start Wood and, and just try and use him as, as, as a bit of an out ball in the first half um, and try and stay in the game as long as possible and then see what we can do last half an hour. There's numerous ways where we can approach it, but I do agree with you, Matt, and, and you, Greg, when you're saying, I'm not sure I'd, I'd say it's a free hit because, you know, Villa got a point off them. So... They're not unbeatable or, you know, it's not as if, you know, we're not playing like Barcelona from the late 90s. You know, we can get something out of them, but I think we'd need everybody to get at eight, nine or 10 out of 10. We'd need all the luck our way. We'd need VAR to draw lines properly. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, and we, we just need everything to fall into place. But the longer we stay in the game, um, the better. What we can't afford is an early goal because that just could be anything. If it's if it's nil nil at half time, I'll be absolutely delighted and then just see what goes from there. But even if we do lose two, three, or four, the two games after that, Greg's right. They're the type of games that's going to define our season, and I'm 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 hopeful that we'll get something from them. Mm-hmm. I do think the striker position is the key. Like Ollie Watkins yesterday, I think. I mean, he's a bit of a frustrating watch if you're a Villa fan. He misses chances, but he gets about the pitch. He's very mobile and he doesn't make it easy. But so who um, it's kind of a Surridge is the best fit for that, but I don't know if Surridge starts. A, I don't know if Wood's going to get around. But like someone says in the comments, if Chris Wood scores one goal and get you know that could get him going. So we have to wait and see. Uh, I think we've covered all the bases I wanted to cover. Time for any other business, Greg? Anything you want to add before we depart? Come on, tell us about the overlap. Come on. Yeah, yeah I didn't realise it was you that has got us on there. I know. It's- Second choice. And you've still not said thank you in all the time that we've been talking. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> love to do it again. I, you know, hands up. It's pretty well. cool. Like, the, studio, the studio looks like the setup looks pretty cool. That was awesome. Uh, and Jamie Carrick is such a nice bloke. I hate to say it. Never thought I'd say that, but he is it's such quite, a top quite, bloke. Um, <laughs> very intense, isn't he? I mean, mm. he, he asks you, if he, if he ever asks how you are, it's almost like. He wants to start on you. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. okay? Right. That's how we met. Like he came yeah. straight into the yeah, studio. Yeah. But no, it's great. But uh, my any other my any other business is pre-match. Uh, Man City Forza have got a pre-match gig, so we're at the old cold store, which is the Vatham Fiddle, right near the train station. Uh, there's like capacity for like four hundred people, so live music, DJ. Our friends Barbar are uh, doing the food, and no doubt that'll be all over Footy Scrang because it's incredible. The food is uh, got loads going off. It'll be a really good pre-match. So, Vat and Fiddle out the back, the old cold store. Uh, we'll be there from like half eleven. Uh, Tom in the comments asked, "Why do I have a farm door in my house?" Are these questions <laughs> that you get about people's? I think that's not a farm. It's just it's just a really old door, Tom. Original door. Yeah, you should. Uh, it's been stripped it. back. It was painted. It was they were stripped back when we moved in. So there you go, discussing the decor. Door chat. Door chat. Perhaps any other business before you <laughs> go off and do that. Um, any other business? Any other business? No, I'm no, just reiter- reiterate what I'd said. Um, or two things about the fact having seen teams in and around that end of the table, I, I, I've got no 
doubt whatsoever that Forest will be absolutely fine. And like Mikey says, it's not dad and dad ambition to say that 17 or above, happy days, it's party time before Forest end up with that at the end of the, um, end of the season. Um, and just lovely to, to, to see Mikey fighting fit and, and obviously lovely to see you, 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 Greg and Matt, but to see Mikey looking looking as fresh as he, as he possibly could be. Yes, he had a rough week, a rough week indeed. Mikey, any other mm. business before we go? Yeah, I'm obsessed with that farm door now. I keep looking at. Um, no, uh, yeah, I had I had three quick things. I know you want to talk about VAR, really? so it's now. T- well, yeah, but it's now two things. So I'll let you talk about. Um, I'm not going to talk about VAR. So. Oh, not. I'll, I'll be quick. I'm not. Um, you can if you want. I'm not. Uh, so the things I've got firstly are um, a lot of people. I know they do with you, Greg. Stop, stop me about the podcast and stuff. And I'm always like really intrigued about all the different types of people, all ages that listen to it in all different ways. So some in the car, some at work. My mate, um, Steve's kid, Eden, listens to it after school. And it, I just think it's it, it's really cool, even after a defeat, that you can get a bit of, like, um, perspective. And, you know, I just think it's it, it's cool because it's not always easy to to listen to, to people talk about sport, especially when your team's lost. So um, that's pretty cool. Secondly, about the, the NHS as well, there's been loads of us, not just me, um, in the last couple of weeks that have, that have gone in for for treatment and um shout out to all those people a couple of forest fans in there because i have my forest top on um so especially to those guys and i'll um oh actually prots you were the first face that i saw when i came out of hospital on friday night football, oh my mate. God. how's that, that make you feel you went straight back in yeah i mean <laughs> that I means like, like a horror film just you reaching out <laughs> something to cling on to and it was me i'm so sorry it's all right, i'm yeah. obviously saying something dead interesting and witty <laughs> yeah, um, talk, talking about horrifying um, VAR. Um, I'm not going. I'm not going to go off on a rant because I think everybody thinks the same thing. But what I will say is, the argument for VAR, and I was convinced it was going to screw us in the playoff final, which it, which it never did, thankfully. And I probably should be a convert because it actually went for us. But the that, argument. I, still, oh, sorry, but in my that, that's what? still the most mind-boggling thing about that where you look at that game you look where Huddersfield Town are now and, and no, I, I know people that work at Huddersfield Town and it, talk about a sliding doors moment that can change a club's trajectory for decades to come if we were all watching it going well I mean that's surely getting looked at <laughs> I think what we had was no they just waved it on and you go oh my <laughs> God, they've got at least two very good penalty shouts there it was staggering mate but go on it's, no it's, it's crazy yeah that's pretty much my point is I always got told for the people that are advocates of VAR is as long as they get the right decision, it's fine. So whether that takes 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, five minutes, where the games finish at 10 past five, which they are doing now on a Saturday, as long as they get the right decision. Well, we're not even getting that now because <clears throat> and there's been numerous examples of it. So my view has always been in the same, you know, let the referees ref. Anything that's automated, like goal line technology, fine. But anything that needs that human intervention... Let's stop it where he kicks the ball. We're going to stop it back. He kicks it about then. Let's try and draw a line. When did protractors start to rule the game? It's just, I hate it. It's an emotion killer. I'm, you know, at the ground, I'm watching it with, you know, an emotional handbrake on because you can't celebrate the goal because you think they'll find a reason to rule it out. And then there's that weird second cheer that happens when you kick off, which is awful. There's crowds chanting VAR. I mean, come on. But I think it's, it's just time just to bin it. I'm fed up with it. Sorry, I, I did say I was going to have a bit of a ramp, Matt. So that's fair enough. That's, that's fine. Think, that's fine. I think. Go on, Prots. Yeah, I, 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 
it's 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 not a funny one because it, I think you're absolutely right. That emotional handbrake is such a great phrase, which I, I'm going to nick wholesale and use quite a lot, Mike. <laughs> because it's it goes it goes back to a very um, a, a very timely um, kind of period of obviously with Nottingham Forest and Brian Clough being in charge. He referee's decision was final payment, wasn't it? If it was good enough for Old Big Ed, it should be good enough for people nowadays. And I think, yeah, it's it's it was brought in to help referees, and I just think it's made referees' jobs infinitely harder. True, true. Uh, I've got two then quickly, but before that, if you enjoy, do like and subscribe. Nick in the comments always does a better job than me telling people to like it. Uh, as you it does <clears throat> as you join us, it does certainly help, and a review on iTunes certainly helps as well. Right, my two quickly. Uh, Sack Lee Mason as a VAR that was one of them. I mean, how many mistakes can one guy make? Not forgetting to draw the lines is the is the peak, but he's done Forest over certainly once this season against Brentford, so. I would certainly sack him. And secondly, a shout out to Chris Cohen. I feel a bit bad for him. I think, you know, Greg, you were saying he'd, you heard he'd moved his family down to Southampton. There's obviously a human side to these sackings. Um, Nathan Jones, I think he, he's made a bit of an idiot of himself as Southampton manager with some of the stuff he said and the way he's gone about it, which is a shame. But I do feel for Chris. Uh, he seems a lovely guy. So uh, do you, you must know him well, Prutz. Chris, uh, I know Alan Sheehan better, who's... Okay. Um, uh, Nathan's number two. I know, I know Nathan pretty well um, from those two times that he dived in the playoff semi-final for um, Yeovil. <laughs> so, do you feel bad for Nathan James or not? No, uh, from from the fact that I know him as a person. Yeah, I, I just it, it was. It, you look up. So obviously, Southampton looking for a new manager. Leeds looking for a new manager. The 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 next port of call for Leeds feels like this number two to Ten Hag at Ajax. And you look on Twitter or whatever, and he's already been completely dismissed out of hand. Who, mm. who knows what if he's any good? No one knows that. Jesse Marsh was dismissed out of hand because he was American. It then obviously came to fruition with regards to the, the results on the pitch. Knowing Nathan, knowing what he puts into a job as a manager, you can't help but feel for him. Uh, if you look at the way the team has performed, I mean, obviously this is a completely Nottingham Forest-based chat, but you look at the goals that Southampton conceded at the weekend, these these are established, highly paid Premier League footballers playing like a pub team. That's not the manager's fault. That is absolutely. And, and I've been there as a player where you, you could point the finger and say, "What on earth were you all doing?" And there's just no answer to it. But it's always the manager that kind of um, is the one is the scalp that, that, that that's taken and then moved on. So I, I really do feel for him. And knowing how precarious it is to be a manager, and again with Alan Sheen and, and Chris, they'd have been the lock, stock, and barrel. In most days, uh, long hours, relatively long hours for it, but, but trying to work out what the right formula is to get that club up and running. And it hasn't worked. And it's people now, thank you very much, Nathan Jones. You were probably in the in the kind of in the in the breakdown of Premier League managers. You will be pointed at and laughed at and um, dismissed. But there's a man there that knows exactly how to work a football club. It just didn't happen at uh, Southampton. And I really do feel for him. But the Premier League's brutal, as we know. True. I mean, you do have Southampton connections yourself. You know, you, you played there. He's at your father-in-law played there. You're reminding there. me this. <laughs> and he's he the one there. the family are proud of that, for playing for Southampton. Is that right? Your father, your father, is that the story about your son? Could tells you, everyone. you say any more condescending if you try? <laughs> it's you who tells the story. Is it? No, it was it was because my father-in-law played in the same team as Mick Shannon. So a very That's good Southampton team. Uh, and then my son was asked why he was a Southampton fan. 
by friends of ours that were down there, no longer friends now because they were horrible to me. Um, Wadi Sports Southampton, and his take on it was because my granddad played for them. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking around like. <laughs> That was <laughs> right uh, I think that covers everything I'm not sure if we'll be back on Thursday I'll certainly uh, try and sort something out um, but hopefully Greg's probably busy we'll be we Jake Humphrey's podcast Stephen Barlow one Dari Vecchio the CEO it'll be, it'll be, it'll be on um, Joe Rogan dismissing Covid next won't he <laughs> <laughs> put me in that group it sticks <laughs> I'm all right. available, yeah. Good. We've given Greg a lot of stick and I know he'll get messages on Twitter from his mates about it. So it's been well worthwhile getting him on. <laughs> what happened with the doorbell before we go? You took your doorbell cam off. Yeah, I've learned from previous errors when I uh, have a when late night. When your wife puts the footage out of you stumbling in at 2am. Yeah, exactly that. I don't <laughs> want to give the people what they want. <laughs> I can't believe there's over 300 people still watching this. Who, who, who else? Who else has a, one of those doorbell cams? Do you, Matt? Do you? Mind I let the battery die. They're so loud. It's really annoying. No. There's someone <laughs> at the door. There's someone at the door. Weird. Yeah. I know. It's good. We're never in. So like, when someone brings a parcel, you can tell them where to hide it. Yeah, what, but what, I never what, leave my house. I'm here all There's the time. Yeah, we had the police knocking at the door last week because there was something going off. Wanted to know if it picked it up, but it didn't. So. <laughs> Greg, where do you live? <laughs> He's moved it's to a, a new state, new house. So well, people, yeah. is, he, is he in the posh part or not? Are you in the posh part now? I think you are, aren't you? Now, always, yeah. Bridgeford, Rushcliffe. There you nice. go. I'm, Rudd- I'm Ruddington now. I'm Ruddington. Did, that, that's just John. My memory using the word knots was watching the second leg of the semi final and, and Gary Neville, Greg's mate, um, referring to Forrest as knots Forest, and you, and you just go, oh. No. Some of them do it on purpose, knowing what it's going to create. Do they really? Is it that calculated? Come on, Greg. I'll put him in that. I'll put him in that category. Right. We should go. Like I said, 300 people watching us just talk utter nonsense still, which is, yeah, good of them. Very much appreciated. That's what podcasts are. I think so, yeah. I think you're right. Watching it. True, true. Right. We'll let everyone go. Mikey, thanks for joining us. Hope you feel well. We'll feel 100% soon. Cheers, Matt. Thank you. There's some good comments today. I know, uh, just in case everybody, you know, that, that comments on it, we do read them. And I, 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 I read them all. I yeah, should really say, actually, I read literally every YouTube comment, and some of them can be quite nasty, but they're mostly like 95% positive. So, yeah, if you write a nasty comment, do remember that I read them all. I think Greg reads quite a lot of them as well. So, yeah, be as nice <laughs> yeah. as you can. Constructive criticism. Right. Prutz, thank you very much. My pleasure. I'm just going to make, I'm going to start commenting now on, on everything that we've just said. <laughs> Why, why can't I comment on it? Comment on here? Yeah. Oh, uh, I think only I can. If I comment, it comes out as... Um, it comes out as a reach PLC comment, probably. So, you know, you have to be careful what you write. Yeah, I can't, yeah. can't let all, you loose on it. Yeah, all, all, all views um, uh, viewers own. That's what we've we got to kind of hide behind. It? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Greg, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Cheers. Absolutely. Right. I've got to find the cursor. It's too bright in here. There we go. Okay. Thanks very much, everyone. Have a good week. We shall see you on Thursday or this time next week.